Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Bo Hauser, the Small Business Administration's Chief Information Security Officer, or should I say the outgoing CISO at SBA. Bo, welcome to the program. Thanks, Jason. In, in some ways, this is a little bit of an exit interview. You're not exiting government service, but you are leaving the SBA, and we're going to spend a lot of our time talking about your accomplishments and uh, all the things that are going on at SBA. But let's start with the news. You're moving to a new job. Tell us about your new position. That's right. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I'm, I'm uh, moving over to the U.S. Census Bureau, uh, and, and I'm really looking forward to, to jumping in with, with the folks over there to help out with the upcoming 2020 census. And your new role census is as the chief information security officer. That's correct. It's interesting that you're going from SBA, which has a, a very similar mission as the census in some ways, working with citizens, looking you know, very outward facing. But the census is a much bigger and, if you will, much more meaty type of job in many ways. So talk a little bit about the decision. What made you decide to, to, to move to the census? Well, uh, at SBA, you're right. We do face the public and provide a valuable service to the citizens um, and, and that will be consistent with census. We all know um, what the Census Bureau is there for and how important that is not only uh, to the citizens but also to all of the federal programs that, that it informs. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, to that challenge. And, and it is uh, larger in scope. I think, you know, again, in cybersecurity, our challenges largely are pretty consistent, um, but the scale makes a difference. So. Uh, I'm, I'm eager to get over there and, and, and help uh, solve solve any of the problems that they're having. What made you decide now was the right time for a change? You'd been at SBA for roughly about a year and a half. Um, I'm coming up on two years at SBA, and, and it's been a fantastic uh, opportunity. Um, my CIO, Maria Rode, uh, she's had a very ambitious modernization agenda that I've benefited from from a cybersecurity standpoint. And it's allowed me to really experiment and really uh, learn new ways to solve some of these problems that we have. So I'm going to bring that over to Census and uh, see what works, uh, see how to mold it to their uh, their situation and their circumstances and their unique use cases and hopefully help uh, help move things forward. Was there something that you said to yourself, it's time for a change, I want a bigger, better, if you will, not better, but bigger opportunity, or was there something about commerce and census that really attracted you? The, the mission over there is very appealing, and the challenges are, are um, um, pretty significant. Uh, I, I always like a challenge. Uh, when I came to SBA, um, and you know anyone who's heard Maria talk about the, 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 um, the issues that, that she inherited – it's the same sort of model um, where, uh, you know, there was a lot of work to do and, and we were allowed to really uh, lean in on some some pretty interesting areas and, and, and do some really cool stuff. Uh, I'm hoping t- that uh, uh, Census, uh, you know, is, is the same kind of challenge for me uh, because that's that's where I find joy as a, as a CISO, really solving these complex, large problems. A lot of times it's an interesting story about how someone ends up at, a, at an agency. So walk me through, you came to SBA because it was a job opening or you recruited and the, and the same thing with census. Are you going there because you were recruited or because it was a job opening? Walk me through kind of the, the little bit of the backstory about how you ended up both at SBA and census. So it even starts before that. Um, I served as the deputy CISO at the Center for Medicare and Medicaid at a time when healthcare.gov uh, was was really really visible across the federal government, 
and at a time where we really needed to make sure the cybersecurity for healthcare.gov was uh, was right. And so, again, a lot of challenges, a lot of high visibility. Uh, so I learned a lot from that job, too. Uh, SBA gave me the opportunity to serve as the CISO, to wear the crown, as they say. Uh, and, again, it's been a fantastic experience. And so, uh, you know, I, I really uh, see – you know, see, this is the next step in my career uh, at the census at an executive level. Now, we talked a little bit about the similarities between SBA and census in terms of the mission of, of who you're trying to serve, the citizens. And But as you said, uh, census is much, much larger than SBA in many regards. What are some of those lessons that you learned from SBA that you're going to bring to census right now off the top of your head? So um, a lot of the uh, work that we did at SBA – uh, around modernization, specifically how it applies to cybersecurity and the cloud. Um, I know that a lot of organizations, including Census, are leveraging cloud to meet some of their business demands. And so uh, the, the work that we've done at SBA to really, um, you know, uh, take these native tools, native cloud tools through their paces and, and really see what they are and also provide feedback to these cloud service providers so that they can improve their tools all of those things, I feel like, will help me, uh, you know, jump in and make make a near term impact at at, at uh, Census with their cloud offerings um, that they're using. And in fact, Census just made a big announcement about a cloud award about a week or two ago. So they probably maybe knew you were coming or something. That that hey, here's his first challenge. Uh, one of the things when you go to a new agency is trying to understand what the mission is. Now, Census seems very easy; they, they count people, but there's always something more into it. You start at census when? Um, middle of September. And obviously you have to hit the ground running because they're really ramping up for the decennial count. Right. In the meantime, how do you get to understand what their mission is? How do you get to understand where you fit in and where you can help as the CISO? Um, there's been a lot of uh, public visibility around census, and there's a lot of stakeholders here that really want to make sure we get this right. Uh, including leadership at uh, Census and the Department of Commerce. Uh, I think we're all on the same page at, when when it comes to that. So there's uh, testimony, um, public testimony out there. There's reports out there that really highlight some of the things that, that's going on at, at Census and some of the challenges. So I, I've been able to do some of that research to, to kind of get my bearing, uh, but I'll continue to strengthen my understanding as, we, as I come on board and then after, obviously. The census has such a big challenge, and especially since they're trying to modernize and, and bring in modern technologies. When you had the conversations, when you went through the kind of the process, what were – I know you can't be specific, but what were some of the things that attracted you to the position? Was it the fact is that the, with the 2020 count coming and you could you know, take what you learned at SBA to modernize the you know, 7A loan program or something and say, okay, that has a clear – link to this part of the census's mission? I mean, connect some dots, I guess. Yeah, I think it's bigger than that. I, you know, I, I mentioned before the focus on census, the the criticality of, of how that information is used across our federal government, uh, and the, really the need for uh, us to maintain the trust of the citizens uh, when it comes to handling their data. So, that really appeals to me. I had a similar challenge with healthcare.gov. Um, as you're aware, there were you know 12 million or so folks that that leveraged healthcare.gov uh, for their healthcare. And and again, it comes down to uh, 
protecting those citizens. The easiest way to, to, to harm a citizen, lose their data, right? It's just not a good place for, for us as an agency or for the citizen themselves. So that's really what excites me about it, you know, the opportunity to really have that impact uh, and maintain the trust in government that the citizens place in us. And, Bo, one of the things about moving on from SBA, someone's going to have to replace you eventually, which is always a, a tough tough road to, to bring new people in. But at least in the meantime, who's going to be the acting CISO at SBA? Yeah, we've done a lot of great work, and, and I'm doing everything I can to make sure that we don't miss a step. My director of security operations, uh, Jeff Harris, he is going to step in and be the acting CISO at SBA while the agency works through the, the recruiting process uh, going forward. All right, very good. Well, I know you'll have big shoes to fill. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can talk about your time at SBA and all the accomplishments you've made. My guest is Bo Hauser, the Chief Information Security Officer at the Small Business Administration. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Bo Hauser the Small Business Administration's Chief Information Security Officer, or I should say the outgoing CISO at SBA. Bo, you just announced that you're heading off to the Census Bureau to be their CISO. Congratulations again on that job. Uh, You've been the CISO at SBA for about two years, so there's plenty to talk to. You guys have done some really innovative uh, and impressive things from a cybersecurity and an IT modernization perspective. But let me start broader and say, you know, during your time at SBA, almost two years, what surprised you the most about working there? So uh, coming in, uh, what what I'm most grateful for is the support of leadership that we had all the way up and down the the chain, and and the focus on cybersecurity. So I feel like I was really set up for success along the way. You know, as we modernized and, and started leveraging cloud uh, tools and services like we hadn't before, the biggest surprise for me because um, I came in with a traditional mindset. And, and I struggled with, like most organizations, I struggled with how to really incorporate the cloud into what we were doing. And, and so we reached a point where, you know, we, we made the decision to, to go really with a cloud-centric model. And the, the reason we did that is because uh, we realized that, you know, the perspective offered from the cloud, it really simplified a lot of the challenges we were facing at an organizational level when we were struggling with how to how to aggregate the data from all of these various sources, from multi-clouds and from other external entities, how to aggregate all that, how to make sense of it, how to, how to minimize the number of dashboards we had to look at. But um, looking at the maturity of cloud and the, the really rapid maturity that's, her, that's occurring there uh, helped us to kind of take a completely different approach, approach to cybersecurity. So that was, uh, that, w- that was probably the biggest surprise for me. I wasn't expecting that level of maturity. But, um, and we've seen, you know, um, some of the results of that based on, you know, we'll talk about some of that going forward. But that, that was probably the biggest surprise. And definitely we'll spend lots of time on, on the innovations you guys have done. But let me just take a step back. When you say you had to change your mindset from a CISO perspective, in many ways you're, you'll do that again for census because that's right. even a, a bigger thing. What's the CISO mindset, if you will, that you brought in? Was it, you know, gotta, I have to be able to see my servers, I have to watch the blinking lights, or was it something else that you kind of had to and, – and how did you do it? Because I think a lot of other people are probably facing a similar challenge. Yeah, I, I always make a point as a CISO to embrace creativity and flexibility, right? That, that's kind of where we have to start because a, a ri- rigid view of security and, a, and an authoritative view of security uh, – 
is not always helpful. And, and in a lot of cases, it just forces our customers to kind of go around us. So uh, coming in with that mindset helped. Um, and then, you know, when I got there, we had 38 different tools that we, we had in our security portfolio. Each tool was implemented differently. Sometimes they were maintained by different teams. Tools had gaps. There, there was overlap. So the consistency was, was a challenge. And so uh, another area that we were able to, to improve was on that consistency and, and leveraging the cloud tools, kind of centralizing around those and organizing around those uh, solved a lot of those problems too. And we were actually able to cut down our portfolio of tools uh, you know, through these efforts. Did you have to rip any tools out of someone's hand? Did someone say, no, but I love this tool, of and you course. had to show them that of course, this one tool is being done by these six other tools over here. We need to get rid of it. Yeah, and, and you know, skepticism of cloud security is still prevalent. And so that's probably one of the biggest um, challenges, you know, sort of that cultural challenge. And you really have to get folks uh, to see it firsthand. Uh, we've done, you know, over 30 demos as an agency to other federal agencies We've had hundreds of attendees to our demo, so we're really trying to be transparent about what we're doing and how we're doing it. It's not uh, right for everyone, but we definitely want to share those lessons learned so that folks can take what we've learned and the mistakes that we made and not not repeat those. Use what they can, not repeat the mistakes we made, and, and really um, um, you know move it forward. And we just heard, you and I did a panel just recently, and Howard White from the FDIC, the CIO, was on it. And he made a specific point to say, I'm going to steal, beg, borrow, plead with SBA to give me what they've done because of how good it is and because why should I reinvent the wheel? So the fact is you guys have done 30 demos is not just saying, hey, look how good we are, but there's actually real benefit that other agencies are getting from your work. And, and we're going to talk about that right now. So let's talk yep. about that because th- there's a lot of success there. And let's start with uh, continuous diagnostics and mitigation, CDM in the cloud. I remember when uh, DHS was, was going through phase one and phase two and, and told agencies, okay, put this on your network. And you, Maria wrote the CIO at SBA said, I'm not doing that. And, and I think they probably looked at it a little cross-eyed. And then all of a sudden you guys went down this innovative path. Talk about that program. Yeah, at that time we had spun up, you know, they wanted us to buy on-prem hardware and Maria was very adamant she was changing direction and and she felt like that kind of kept her into the old paradigm. So she spun up those servers in the cloud and we did phase one and phase two that way. Since then, we worked with DHS and, and other stakeholders to conduct a pilot around CDM and our goal there um, was to leverage native cloud tools and, and, again, stretch them as far as we could stretch them in, in achieving those CDM goals and really show, uh, show what the capabilities are there. So we did that, um, and, and DHS was very impressed. And, and a lot of folks, like, you know, like we've seen many times, a lot of folks sort of have that moment where they're like, ah, this is different. This is not just spinning up virtual machines installing software on virtual machines and, and kind of doing uh, what we're used to. It's a different model. And so, um, you know, one of the things that, that I've shared uh, in my panels is the fact that we're ingesting over 400 gigs of log data today into the cloud and using the business intelligence tools that are also native in the cloud. Um, we, we can visualize that in very creative ways and we're getting better and better at how we visualize that data. But, 
It doesn't require me to operate a single virtual machine, so I don't have the patching problems. I don't have the configuration challenges or any of those cyber hygiene challenges. There's nothing for me to scan, right? It's a service provided from the cloud providers. And so I see that continuing as the cloud service providers get more and more creative and more and more innovative in these areas, and it's really going to drive down our um, our challenges, you know, that, that we've traditionally faced. And I've gotten a chance to, to see, a, a, I'll say, a very small demo of this. Uh, your deputy CIO, Sanjay Gupta, showed it to me at an event just on his phone, which was amazing. But basically, through Office 365 and your relationship with Microsoft, is the, those are the business intelligence tools you're using? Or when you say they're native to the cloud, it's another vendor that connects to your Office 365 as your setup? No, it's those native. And Sanjay is our CTO. Um, I keep calling him your C- deputy CIO, don't I? <laughs> right. Guy Cavella is not going to be happy Guy. with me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we'll apologize but, to him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's native tools that are part of our cloud license that we pay the the cloud service provider for. Um, you know, I won't mention vendors, but uh, they're all on the same path, I believe, with with aggressively building these native offerings into their cloud. Uh, some are a little further than others in different areas. Uh, and so we're getting a lot of value from use that. And we're a multi-cloud environment. We have Azure. We have AWS. We use Salesforce. Uh, so we have various clouds to deal with. And we're able to consolidate even those clouds into a central view, again, using one of the cloud services. Talk about why this is was, this was so innovative. Is it because it was done, quote-unquote, in the cloud? Or did you guys do something – uh, that really you, you took a, uh, something that was done usually in a data center, was on-premise, and that's moved it to the cloud, and the results are better or the same at the very least, probably better. Is is that why this was so innovative? Um, I I think it's part of, you know, where we are in in um, uh, in, in IT. You know, we're in a, a big data age, and so if you look at uh, – um, you know, cybersecurity, or if you look at CDM, there's always a challenge around data. How do you aggregate all of those logs from all of those different sources from from everywhere into a consolidated view? And so, you know, we leverage cloud, and the initial thought is, ooh, cloud's the the key, but really it's beyond that, and it's more about using big data concepts, unstructured data, uh, to solve these problems. And, you know, the big IT companies in the world are have been doing this for quite some time, and there's a lot of maturity there, um, you know, and it goes back to uh, us sending everything into the cloud and, and visualizing it from there. But it's more about big data and uh, unstructured data. We, um, we had various data sources. We had our scan data. We had our configuration data. We had our data for mobile devices. You know, we all know what we deal with from an IT management standpoint and all of the various different uh, things that we have to manage. And using big data, it's very simple and straightforward to aggregate all of those data sources into, you know, a data lake or what have you, and then pick and choose which data elements you need from any of the sources to paint the picture you need to paint. So it, it becomes a challenge of, uh, of creativity once you get the data aggregated. The data aggregation phase, we did that in 30 days. We spent most of the time in the CDM pilot honing in those, uh, those um, dashboards and the visual, vi- visualization around that um, because, again, that's where you know, we, we figured it out pretty quickly, but you can get so sophisticated in those uh, dashboards 
but you got to spend the time and really put the the gray matter into that to to understand like where you're trying to go. So it gets more and more, um, uh, you know, precise and sophisticated as you get more mature in that area. When you when you've done these demos, when you've worked with DHS or OMB or the CIO Council and showed them, what's the reaction been? So it's eye opening for folks. Again, you know, I feel like folks are still. Uh, you know, stuck in a traditional mindset where there is a server, there's software on the server, and there's a lot of elements in there that we have to account for. And then when it comes to, um, you know, making it all work together, we're used to that challenge. But again, using cloud, using big data, unstructured, all of those things sort of evaporate and you're you're sort of skipping ahead to uh, the, the good part, you know, low value, high value work. You really get to accelerate the, the path to get to that high value work. How do you guys quantify the benefits you're getting from this? Because as you mentioned, some 400 gigabytes of data a day, it's, it's a ton of bit. It's a big data problem like we see time and again. How are you guys saying we are better, more secure today than we were a month ago, six months ago, six years ago? Our visualization of our environment is extensive. You know, we can see um, everything on our network now. Um, and even to the point where we can tell you every user on our environment and every website they're visiting on the Internet. And, and we can do that with a dashboard, the dashboard you alluded to earlier uh, that, that Sanjay showed you. So, And the way we got that, that view is by ingesting our MTIPS logs into the cloud. And then the cloud, again, using AI and, and other capabilities that are native in the cloud – exposes this information along with a lot of metadata around every single website, you know, the headquarters that the website might be located in. So so just knowing what's on our network is much more, more improved. Uh, I also mentioned before we were able to draw down the tool sets that we were previously using, and, and we've been able to, to save money there. Um, and then the other thing I also mentioned was we don't have as much of the IT management um, either that, that we're used to having around patching and scanning and those kinds of things, too. So it really pays benefits in many, many different areas. Um, and, and again, the, the maturity is very rapid, too. So we, we just expect this to get better and better. Do you have any estimates in terms of how much money you've saved? Um, not uh, readily available. Okay. And then the other one that's uh, interesting is you, you said I think you had 38 tools. Right. You're down to fewer than 10, fewer about than a five. Dozen. A it's dozen. about a dozen right now. So that in itself is saving money because you're not paying right. for all the upkeep and the licenses and all that. So that that's great. Um, and, and then the last piece is because this is a big data problem, the reason why you're able to do this today versus – you know, again, I'll go back to three, five, seven years ago, is because it's all in the cloud and the cloud makes the big data easier to, to ingest and deal with and understand. Is that the biggest difference? Um, that's part of it. The other key is the cloud service providers are realizing the need for these native capabilities. And so simply uh, talking about log aggregation, um, there's a log aggregation service based on an open source model and again, my role at an agency level is to simply feed my logs into that environment. And again, no virtual machines to run, no software to maintain on my part. It's it's really a, a SaaS model when it comes to that. And then again, using those intelligence tools, business intelligence tools to visualize it and, and to mine that data however I need to. And, and it applies to cybersecurity. It applies to 
um, the business of SBA. We're, we were able to do some to do some really creative things around our loan programs, visualizing where loans originate and, and which areas we should focus on there too. So it, the possibilities are really endless, but it's the the cloud, the the service providers building these services in, and and really um, how big data and unstructured data is is simpler when you're talking about a native cloud service. If we have to do it ourselves, it's it's complex and and we kind of there's a lot that goes into an organization trying to build these capabilities. So having them readily available is just um very valuable. And just real quick uh, Bo before we take another break, uh, DHS is, was obviously impressed with what you guys have done. Are they starting to share this or offer it if, in some way to other agencies? Do you know yet? We're writing the report now, and we hope to have that final uh, over the next several weeks. Um, I don't know at what point we'll be able to share that out with the community, but at SBA we've been very transparent, and, and we've been sharing as much of this in the demos as we can. We'll continue to be as transparent as we can, again, respecting DHS's uh, position as well. I know that it's already informing their roadmap, you know, and they're starting to think about what uh, what a dashboard ecosystem might look like. They awarded a contract a month or two ago that, that's really going to focus in this area too. So we'll continue working with them and, and, and use these lessons learned. Excellent. Very good. It's always good when, obviously, one agency finds success and others can build off of it. We're going to take a quick break. My guest is Bo Hauser, the Small Business Administration's Chief Information Security Officer. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest is Bo Hauser, the Small Business Administration's Chief Information Security Officer. And Bo, as we said at the beginning of the show, uh, this is kind of an exit interview. You're not exiting government service, but you are taking a new job with the Census Bureau. So we're kind of looking back over your last two years at SBA and, and a lot of the accomplishments that you and your team is able to achieve. So one of the other big areas was the Trusted Internet Connection, TIC Initiative. It is the albatross that's hanging on every agency's neck when it comes to cloud computing. Uh, OMB, any day now, any minute now, for all we know, it could be out right now. <laughs> We're hopeful uh, they're going to release their updated TIC 3.0 memo. But in the meantime, you guys were one of the use cases that really showed, hey, this TIC thing can work in the cloud. Talk about that program as well or that, that pilot. That's the point where we really found out and discovered just how mature some of these tools had gotten. And that's also the point where we did feed our MTIPS logs into the cloud and learned a lot about visualizing it. And it was really interesting because as we progressed in the pilot, the the maturity within the cloud and the capabilities in the cloud, every day we came in, there was a new button somewhere that, that did something really cool uh, and again, we, that was a good partnership too. DHS was involved, uh, OMB, GSA was part of it, and everybody kind of had that moment again where where they realized, okay, things are different. Uh, and so it, it was very interesting, and, and luckily um, we were able to participate at that in that and, and show off um, some of the things that we were doing, and also learn along the way. It was it was eye opening for us as well. Um, we worked with DHS. We got a lot of the use cases that DHS uh, relies on for, for how they protect federal networks, and it gave us a good uh, recipe for what outcome we were trying to shoot for. And, and again, at the end of the day, data's there in a big data unstructured model. You pick and choose the pieces you need to paint the picture you want to paint, and we were able to address uh, nearly all of the, the use cases that they provided. 
and you know we've we've seen the draft versions of the policy now and and we're just eagerly anticipating the the final policy to uh to fall and then that will give us the coverage we want to to kind of change how we approach tick as an agency and and do some of these more creative uh models now did the tick use case and the CDM pilot did they converge i mean was it wasn't one in the same or was it no, we did the tick pilot last summer, uh, and we spent a lot of time after that, uh, really helping um, helping uh, document, you know, what that meant, and and determining how good that was, you know. Um, but we ju- we recently com- completed the CDM pilot, so that was um, in the last couple of months. So, and, and the tick pilot, then, if you, I know, it may get into some sensitive areas, but basically, you were testing out how to ensure that the network traffic coming in and out of your network, you knew what it was, you, you could make it and you make decisions about the traffic, whether you should uh, push it into, if you will, a sandbox or whatever it is to say, we don't want this on our network. And then also understanding where the threats maybe are coming from so you can close down ports. I mean, a lot of what TIC was supposed to do was act as that DMZ between the public internet and agency network, but you were able to do it in the cloud. Maybe talk through what your use case was. Right. Traditional tick typically involves an aggregation point where you you bring all the traffic through and you do all the inspections at that one central location. That's an efficient model, but it's restrictive from the standpoint of a worldwide presence and and having to do that uh, you know over long distances. So you introduce a lot of latency into your your communication. So what we wanted to do was kind of um, take a different approach. Look at the the outcomes that the the tick architecture and the tick requirements were trying to achieve, and then determine is it best to do that on the wire? Can we do that on the endpoint? Um, you know, where is the appropriate place to get that level of protection? And then again, after that, aggregating it into the picture you need to to prove that you've got that. So really, kind of take the, the, the chains off of it and, and, and be creative and, and kind of see where we go. So it was, it was a good, um, a good uh, you know, pilot from that standpoint. And again, I know we're waiting on the final policy where we'll kind of look at some of those use cases. I know in the draft policy, you talked about some of those different use cases. What's the biggest lesson you learned or what's the biggest thing from that tick pilot that you were able to kind of share back to OMB and DHS? The collaboration was was really really helpful, and, and everyone could kind of share their concerns, and and everybody participated in that creative process too. So, uh, you know, that was a, a good part of it. But again, I mean, it comes back to um, you know how we view cloud and, and really the possibilities there, and, and imagining what that's going to look like in the next you know five years or so. I think I think we're going to be in a real different place then. And and so we're already on the path. Uh, we just need to get uh, folks used to thinking about things differently. So you experienced the tick before the revision policy, whether you're at CMS or wherever, even probably at SBA for a little bit. What can you say from a CISO's perspective? If you just wear your CISO hat. What's it going to mean for you guys from in terms of the tick policy in the cloud and, and really meeting some of the mission goals of, of, of any agency? Yeah, and and there was uh, challenges uh, f- with a, a strict tick policy interpreta- interpretation 
even at the Center for Medicare and Medicaid. And we were concerned that the, the number, you know, we would have uh, a lot of traffic during the open enrollment season for healthcare.gov. And so we had to have an efficient model and we could not afford latency in those models. So, uh, you know, it, it forces us to, to think about, you know, again, how we protect the data regardless of the, the tools or the, or the techniques you know, you can still get there. There's many ways to get there. So that's uh, that's one of the things. But the other key is governance, because if you don't govern, you end up in a wild, wild west scenario. And that's not good either. That in, adds complexity and adds risk from that standpoint. So you got to govern, but you got to have some space to be creative and think about how to solve these problems. The discussion on CDM, the discussion on tick all also are leading us down the path of agencies taking more advantage of cyber threat intelligence. And I think that's one of the biggest things that the CDM, the tick pilots, I think, is giving you guys is more data, better data, and the ability to make decisions based on that data. And that, I think, leads us down to this other path, which is the risk-based decisions, which is I think you hear a lot of agencies talking about managing risk. How does how do those two tools and whatever else you guys have been working on kind of fit into this broader discussion around risk? Yeah, I mean, one of the key principles is the visibility. You know, if you can't see it, you can't protect it. Uh, and then the other principle I think that's coming to bear is the the cloud service providers themselves and other third party um, uh, companies have really good intelligence based on their their global footprint as a as a uh, software uh, or, or service company and being able to leverage that intel really really helps inform our decisions. The one thing about getting that kind of intel as well is. You're not just seeing it from, okay, SBA problems or even just government-wide problems, but you're seeing something like – let's just pick on WannaCry virus for a second. That was starting in you know the UK and Asia, and I, I remember talking to DHS, and they said, well, we had a call at 5 in the morning. Probably you were on it that said, hey, guys, this is happening now, You know, batting down the hatches. Is, is that part of that, that benefit? Yeah, it is. Uh, and again, it's, it's that visibility. A lot of different um, – Companies have really good, robust visibility, and then we need to figure out better ways to share that information and leverage that information as a community so that we can drive up that cost for our attackers. And that's the key here. All this work that you're doing, whether it's CDM or whether it's TIC or or just using cyber threat intelligence better, is to make it harder on attackers to make it more costly so they go work on somebody else that's cheaper, if you will, that's less effort. Yep, yep. One of the things at SBA and at CMS, we introduce a dedicated cyber threat intelligence team. So we have intel analysts who are focused on the threat for us, you know, and integrated into all of these other sources that we have. So, you know, we develop our threat model at SBA. We operate like a bank largely. So we copy the financial threat model largely and, and kind of organize our threats around that. So if there is a threat, whether it's cyber criminal or a host nation threat that aligns with a financial uh, aspect, then we prioritize and we account for that in our in our work. Well, let's take another break. When we come back, we can finish up our conversation. My guest is Bo Hauser, the Small Business Administration's Chief Information Security Officer. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest is Bo Hauser the Small Business Administration's Chief Information Security Officer. And as Bo, we talked about at the beginning of the program, this is a sort of an exit interview for you. You're not leaving the federal service like I normally do, but you are leaving SBA. You're heading to the Census Bureau. So, again, 
Uh, congratulations on that position, the new role there, uh, which you start in mid-September. We, we are spending this part of the program talking about your time at SBA and all the accomplishments you've done. We was, okay, so we've talked CDM. We've talked TIC. We've talked uh, cyber threat intelligence. So the last thing we should talk to, of course, is zero trust. You cannot, you cannot not talk about zero trust. But really, in many ways, all these things that you guys have been doing is, is creating those pieces and parts that would make up that zero trust framework. How is SBA moving in that direction? Yeah, we've got the pieces in place, and we're starting to uh, experiment with those pieces. Um, one of the area that I've, I've mentioned before is around email. Um, we have a lot more flexibility, and we're able to allow um, untrusted devices to connect to email, view the body of the email, not download anything, not forward any emails, not do anything with attachments. So, um, you know, using that zero trust model, we can establish the criteria around what that trust is for us uh, in this, you know, in this case, email, and then restrict very surgically the actions that a, a user can can take. So we're playing with a little bit of that. But, you know, I, I always I would advise proceeding with caution based on with the flexibility that you have, the complexity is is really endless. So you really have to think it through and have a broad strategy around it. But I see it as a huge benefit going forward. We're going to be fo- focusing next on data, you know, whether it's in um, SharePoint or, or any other uh, storage area. Uh, creating those labels around the data, depending on the type of data it is, and using the same concepts to to limit those actions that can be taken with that data. So kind of taking it that way. So that's that's how we're wading into the zero trust waters. One of the things that SBA did to kind of decide on that email as as an example is think about, okay, what's the use case? And I think maybe walk us through what that use case was and how you guys thought about it. Because I think other agencies, as they're doing the same thing, as they're moving toward this concept of zero trust, they're thinking, okay, well, where do I start and was, how do I get to that idea of zero trust? Yeah, we, uh, we had the furlough earlier this year, and part of that was uh, reviewing the procedures around the furlough, how we handled that, that, that was uh, how we improved those procedures around that. An outcome of that was HR saying, wouldn't it be nice if we could allow our, our staff to, to get into their email in, in one of those situations where you're not supposed to be using any government equipment. And, and that's what got us thinking about it. So we, we use that as the use case to develop the email uh, zero trust model. Uh, and, and it helped us to kind of put a box exactly around the actions that were needed and then eliminate, eliminate everything else. And of course, there's robust monitoring around that as well. So we can we can verify and validate, you know, exactly what's happening. And are you doing the same concept for the data piece when it comes to zero trust, some kind of use case, and then thinking about all the pieces and parts? Well, that's where it gets really complex because when you start looking at your your data and you start thinking about labels for that data, it, it gets really complex. There's some data standards out there that, that help with this, uh, but it doesn't always align perfectly with your business case. And then, you know, the data lead to the policy, and the policy is the enforcement actions for that data. So it, it just gets really complex. So that's where we're kind of taking our time and being thoughtful. Zero trust is one of those buzzwords we hear time and again. And I think it's it's all the things that you guys have been doing, as I said, under CDM, under TIC. Do you get a sense that an agency like SBA is well down the path toward a zero trust environment eventually because identity management fits in there too? Or is there still a ways to go? I mean, I realize, and I'll preface this by saying, 
like anything, you're, like modernization, like cybersecurity, it's never, you know, a switch on or off or it's never – you're never done. It's always a constant. But you eventually will get to a place where you feel like, okay, we are protecting the data and the systems based on roles and responsibilities. Yeah, it's a journey, not a destination. And we're definitely on that journey. We have some of the tools uh, in place now that we can use. A lot of the tools are tools we've had. You know, um, we, like many organizations, uh, use Office 365 for our email. So the, the use case that I talked about around email, it's it's there. And so we didn't have to buy anything or add anything on to do that. So uh, the basics can be done using tools you already have in place. And we're doing some of that. But uh, it, it's a long journey. We still have some legacy that we got to think about, and and other things to kind of get us completely to where we can maximize that that model. I think so many agencies are going to be in that hybrid environment, very similar to what SBA is and will continue to be. I think uh, the CIO Maria wrote has a plan with the three to five years get rid of all legacy or something. Yeah, she her current priority now focuses heavily on on legacy. You know, first phase was. Um, uh, kind of a maintenance phase. Second phase was modernization. Now she's circling back on legacy to really focus on that and drive that down. Bill, we've, this has been a fascinating conversation. We're just about out of time. Before I let you go, uh, when you talk about the CISO community that you've been part of, you will continue to be a part of, what, what do you, from just your experience over the last few years, what, what, what should people know about it? Because a lot of people think of CISOs as the you know people who say no to stuff or are hard to work with. But your role as a CISO seems to be changing quite a bit. Yeah, I think the CISO role is, and, and the community of CISOs um, is realizing that um, we have to really do everything we can to meet the user where they are and, and build the security around what they expect, right? If we go in and impose all of these burdensome uh, requirements on the user, they're just going to figure out a way around it, and we don't want that. So we got to kind of work together, collaborate, really partner with the business and with our our, our uh, customers to to really help keep them safe and and protect the data that that uh, that we're entrusted with. And then just finally, the other piece of this is industry and industry partners. We know that. Uh, you will get a lot of attention at Census Bureau. Uh, they have a lot of money to spend over the next couple of years. What's your message to them about cybersecurity and this idea of what do you need from them? Um, I, I get contacted by vendors uh, con- constantly. Uh, one of the questions uh, that I ask them these days is, does your product integrate natively with the cloud? And that, you know, a lot of them will say, oh, yeah, we have an appliance or you can stand up a VM. And, and I push back and say, well, that's we're not interested in that because I don't want to maintain it. I don't want to patch it. I don't want to do all those things. So uh, vendors need to realize cloud is here and that's the future. And if if their products and services aren't really easily integratable, uh, I think they're going to struggle. All right. Very good advice. Let me thank my guest. Bo Hauser is the outgoing Small Business Administration's Chief Information Security Officer. Bo, first of all, thank you for your time today. And uh, of course, thank you for your service at SBA and good luck at the Census Bureau. Thanks, Jason. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.
If you look around, there are so many ways to make a difference. At Capella University, our FlexPath format gives you a different way to earn your degree. Take courses at your speed. Move on whenever you're ready. Education should fit your life. Learn more at capella.edu.